Hey gang, welcome to Barn Banter, the podcast for children's musicians by a children's musician. So today, a really fun uh, conversation about songwriting, the art and craft of songwriting. So uh, let's just talk to a good friend, Drew Holloway of Recess Monkey about it right now. All right, so today we're talking to Drew Holloway from the band Rhesus Monkey about the process of songwriting, how to write songs. And uh, Drew is one of the most creative, prolific, and genre-bending songwriters that I can readily identify in the children music world that I've been able to, to come across. And I've been a fan of the work that they've done for a long time and often really curious how the process works in someone else, and so welcome to the welcome to the the broadcast here, Drew. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. So, just out of the gate, give me a little bit of a background about how you maybe started as a musician and then ended up in children's music. Yeah, well, uh, I've just been going through lots of old photos here on summer vacation as as a teacher and um, scanning a lot of photos, including a bunch with me just with instruments around um, as a little kid, and I think. That was probably the biggest influence um, was that my brother, older brother, and I had a couple guitars that maybe had three or less strings on them that were ours to beat up, beat up. Um, an old paper drum set, a microphone that I don't think worked, but we pretended like it did. My mom likes to say it's all my my father's influence um, because he he played and and taught us some, um, but she also sang to us a lot as a kid. Um, and I remember singing a couple songs in particular that kind of stick in my head. Uh, so I think all those things kind of gave me my start as well as just as I got older, a free reign of our record collection and um, not so free reign of my brother's. But when he was he wasn't around, I would go into his room and listen to his records, too. <laughs> and what t- what were some of the uh, albums that you would listen to? Like, what were you what were you into? Yeah, well, my dad had lots of old 45s. So, you know, I remember listening to like the girl from Impanina that he had lying around. And um, the theme from Happy Days was on a 45. Lots of Beach Boy records, Beatles, um, Three Dog Night. He had Ray Conniff, you know, big band stuff. And then my brother had a lot of, um, he was really into Rock Over London. And he would tape uh, radio shows that came on at night playing all the kind of alternative British stuff from the 80s. And so he bought records that I listened to, like The Smiths and House Martins. And so, you know, I kind of got a lot of influence from him through middle school and beyond. Yeah, I had um, friends that I played in some bands with in uh, high school. And it was mostly just us getting together in my basement um, on weekend nights. And it was because I had a drum set in the basement. So, <laughs> and my dad made pizza for for everybody while we were down there playing, uh-huh. um, which I think that's the real reason they came. That's was, like two thirds uh, of a band right there: pizza and drums, yeah. and like you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he really enjoyed having everybody over, and you know, because he had such a strong musical background, he played in bands with his brothers you know, got us those instruments that were lying around. Um, and over time, he got us better ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, we would we would jam and play and eat pizza and hang out and watch, you know, the kids in the hall. And that was, uh, that was a lot of high school. And 
um, on my own, I became interested in multi-track recording. So my senior year, I got a, a Tascam Porta Studio. Mm -hmm. And so that part of um, high school and then and beyond, up until fairly recently, I was using four tracks to layer things. And in addition to just hearing a lot of great music, which is important, right? Um, getting a chance to build stuff in a studio like that, even if it's just a, a four track, you know, that was really formative for me. Um, mm -hmm. That kind of took me through a lot of my time before Recess Monkey. So before Recess Monkey, you were, you played with, I know, Jack in another band in a, in Seattle, you played in, in other projects. Yeah, we did all original music. Um, the first band we played in, I think we were, uh, we had a lot of different influences, kind of like Recess Monkey, but it was harder to pull that off, I think, for an audience. Or my take is that people just didn't quite know what to make of us. And, <laughs> you know, Seattle at the time was mostly known for pretty somber music. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, there was a pop thing and rock music happening. And there's certainly some, uh, some of that in the history, but it's also pretty gritty and uh, really introspective. And, you know, we had aspects of that, but we were also a pop band, you know, and we were playing really upbeat. We were wearing costumes that had uh, like Christmas lights taped on the inside of them. And um, so, you know, I think a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of seeds for what would become, you know, our fun, playful, zany. We just had to kind of find our audience and it was parents and, and especially kids who were five and six, you know, like who, who thought that sort of thing was great and they didn't, you know, cross their arms at it. But yeah, when we, you know, we realized that just for Jack and I in particular, that it just wasn't very sustainable to be your typical musician. We weren't interested in, you know, we were teachers. We already had a pretty solid gig and, you know, we weren't working the restaurant scene like other musicians or, you know, and just didn't have the same hours. So it, it, it kind of willed itself to what it is now. Like there was just, it wasn't sustainable. Uh -huh. When you were writing before, did you, was it, what topics would you gravitate towards? Was it relationships or, you know, existential angst or, you know, where, where were you as a songwriter as far as content? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I think uh, I would certainly just kind of whatever came came to me, I would I'd play with that, whether it was a melody or it came to me because things that I was reading or hearing or interested in. But, um, you know, Recess Monkey really became kind of the middle portion of our albums we became known for and really it was uh, a working uh, mechanism that we, we worked under a theme and I was doing a little bit of that even before Recess Monkey so it's really interesting to me that if I look back on it that you know I was doing that as a songwriter uh, and then picked it up again as part of this band so yeah when I was writing on my own before like I would just get interested in different topics and then I would kind of set a goal as like, I want to try to write X many songs about it mm -hmm. um, as an exercise. One that I did was like palms and stars. Like I was thinking about astrology and trying to write a song for every sign, you know, that kind of like played on, you know, not that you would listen to the song uh, in isolation and know that that's, oh, that's like about a cancer, right? Or, but just as an exercise, just to try to get me inspired to write lyrics. Mm -hmm. 
do something like that. Or I remember when I was living in DC, the Washington Post ran along. They did like 17 mini stories on people commuting in Washington, DC. And like every story was different from the single mom, like taking three buses to, you know, the ex-Marine who was, you know, dealing with this or that to like, and I wrote, I was like, okay, I'll write a song for each one of these people. Hmm. Um, and that's the sort of thing I was doing when it was just me and my four track, mm-hmm. you know, mostly. And then some of those songs became songs that we played in those early Seattle bands. Um, and that, yeah, later on, um, after our first Recess Monkey album, it just like that theme concept kind of came back to my songwriting and then really how we operated as a band too because it was something that i think with not everybody writing at the time it was something everybody could feel creative Mm -hmm. about was something that uh, jack and darren um we all kind of taught under that umbrella of having a theme every year in the school where we met so it was really natural for us to to work under that and as a songwriter personally you know i think it helped me um you know, be prolific to kind of have that there gave me lots of ideas for what I could write instead of just waiting for things to come to me. I think it made me maybe a little more proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly I'm, I'm more, I think, drawn to melodies and maybe some chord changes or things like that rather than always the concept or lyrics. So yeah, I, I always have a wealth of melodic ideas, but um, a theme really for a while that was super helpful and just cranking out a lot of songs um, um, lyrically too. I know looking at Tabby Road and uh, Wonder Stuff, there's that concept album. Some of them are, are actually very story-like where it goes mm-hmm. through, you know, it goes through the adventure basically, almost like a production, like a, a theatrical production or a musical to a certain extent. There's that very consistent through lines to it. And I noticed as I was going back and listening to your different albums that sometimes you would fall off the the concept and then for an album maybe and then come back to it later. I noticed from a marketing perspective, having those concept albums like Deep Sea Diver was the mm-hmm. one where it's like, wow, that's a really, that's awesome. The fact that you have this entire album that's centered around this concept and then all the images and marketing and language associated with that package can go with it. And I wanted to ask you about this transition then from that to Desert Island Disc. It seemed like those were like a box set, like two parts of a story. Like, am I making that up? Like like at the end of Deep Sea Diver, he ends up on an island. And then the next thing is like, well, now it's an album about being on an island. I was like, oh, yeah, this is just a continuation. Where in the process of writing the songs and, and putting it together did you decide or, or make that choice as a songwriter to do those sort of like two disc stories how did that work yeah well i think um i'd have to get fact checked on it because i don't remember exactly but <laughs> with those two i i think we just came in with a ton of material i don't know i can't remember on the front end how how explicit we were about having them be two separate albums or whether we were going to try to pair them pair them down but at some point, I, I, I know we kind of felt as though there was a different feel about some of them were a little more, maybe more ukulele driven, maybe more strings. And then others were a little bit more, I don't know. It, it seemed like for the most part, uh, 
the songs that ended up on Deep Sea Diver were a little more upbeat, mm-hmm. at least through most of the album and kind of had their own feel. And then most of the songs that ended up on um, Desert Island Disc were a little more plaintive or uh, a little more open, um, maybe apart from like something like Hide, Hide and Seek, which is like a, a rock song that just is dropped in there. Um, the rest are pretty orchestral and maybe more uke driven on those. So, and then you know, I, I, I can't, I can't remember where in the process, but yeah, definitely like being really thoughtful about um, the the link between them, and and then how we were, you know, Jack's really great at thinking about um, the cohesiveness of it and kind of telling a story, and so a lot of most people wouldn't notice i would imagine or pay too much attention to it but a lot of little snippets that you hear Mm -hmm. um in between songs especially on um, desert island disc you know they're from the first album Mm -hmm. deep sea diver that he's really been creative with uh, making them sound like they're on a coconut radio and you know again i think that first and foremost when we we formed the band it was it was originally going to be darren and i um and jack we kind of brought on the technical expertise and you know he was our friend and we really liked playing music with him already but he was like uh you know not too sure about this kids thing but after a couple songs and um hanging out he's like well this is what it is like count me in and i think that's that's really been our our focus um from the earliest days is just like like being creative and really satisfying ourselves and kind of letting everything else fall wherever you know, it falls that mm-hmm. certainly we write for an audience at times and we're thoughtful about marketing and how things might look, but like we want to make ourselves laugh. <laughs> um, and, you know, if if we do, that's the best part, you know, and mm-hmm. like if, if other people are along for the ride too, we want to reach out and communicate, but it's all about, you know, what haven't we done yet or what would be new and Another thing we talk about is like, why are we making this record? Like, what does it have to be made? You know, like, what is, can it stand on its own? Having having a theme, having a purpose, really crafting a story or, you know, I, I think hearkening back to like our childhood of like listening to a whole record the whole way through, you know, and some of them being concept records, you know, that um, you just kind of took in music that way. Like, that's just the way we approach it even if that's not the way it's consumed anymore. Yeah, and I would I I I'm struggle I struggle with that a bit too because I go back to like Dark Side of the Moon or Abbey Road or Sgt. Pepper and it's like yes, you can pull the singles off, but it's so much better when you get the whole experience. Some of your stuff though is like hour and a half long. I mean, there's a couple dozen tracks on some of these albums, not on all of them, but it's really significant the amount of material that you generate within a year from the last release. So maybe going back to the to the beginning, when Rhesus Monkey first started, were you the primary songwriter for the group? Yeah, it was maybe up up through until Intense, where I was writing most or every song. And, um, you know, I that even saying that, it was still a very, a group process and that, you know, I thought of lyrics and a melody, but I was pretty purposeful about keeping a lot of things pretty, pretty skeletal. Some songs were more defined than others, and especially writing that much material. You know, we would go into a lot of sessions where, you know, a third of it was 
pretty well developed. Another third was maybe three quarters of the way there. And then, you know, the last third was like, I've got an idea. Here's the first bit of it. And so Darren and I might work out a structure together, kind of write it up on a whiteboard, record it. Uh, and then uh, Jack would lay down bass while we were working out the next song in the big room. So it was almost kind of, for the, a lot of those first albums, it was very, uh, I, I imagine what some of those Motown or whatever, you know, like it was just like, we're just cranking stuff out, right? And we're working it out. We're gonna rehearse it a bunch of times, do a couple of takes. And then while we're rehearsing the next one, Jack's busy doing his part, laying down bass. Um, and, uh, and then we just kept doing that over and over again. Yeah, that was, that was how we got through, I think, you know, field trip for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some of those albums, I think something like Aminal House, our second album was 55 minutes long. Wonder Stuff was longer, but it's because it had a story. You know, as we've, we've gone on, we've, we've tried to balance that line of making sure the album had a purpose, had a reason for being there, um, had enough material to justify people buying it because they used to buy CDs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to give them their money's worth. That was a, a neat process to go through. You know, we were becoming more creative. Um, we were getting better at writing songs, playing together, but we were also becoming choosier. So hmm. there's certainly songs throughout our catalog, even still today, where you know, as a songwriter, like, ah, you know, that's not, that's not my favorite, or mm -hmm. maybe in the process it didn't come out the way I really would have hoped. But I think we've done a better job of cutting out some of the ones that, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, on those earlier albums, there's some in there that are just, you know, back to that concept, just because you have this concept, it might give you a lot of ideas. You don't always need a, that song just because it fits under the umbrella. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, no bad ideas. Well, <laughs> some, some, aren't, some aren't as good as others. So, yeah, some aren't um, as strong. As a songwriter, then, before you bring um, a piece to... The band and then and there's different levels of that there's bring it to the band for recording and then there's bring it to the band for playing live or mm -hmm. incorporating into a show because it's the other side of the gig what do you use primarily to write your songs on like when it comes to when inspiration comes or it's like oh it's time for me to write about butterflies what do you grab to start with yeah well i think increasingly it's been technology i would use voice memos or things like that to just sing in an idea um, just so I would capture it. And then other times, I know some songwriters have talked about, well, don't do that, you know, just see if you were next day. And if you remember it the next day, then it's truly memorable, right? Like, mm -hmm. I can see the wisdom in that, but also I have enough going on in my head that just because I don't remember it the next day doesn't mean I shouldn't have recorded it into my phone. So I finally just kind of gotten a certain area in the house together to do things a little bit more formally. And, mm -hmm. you know, whereas I would just try to get a sketch of something done um, and it wouldn't be a very high quality, but would just like a built-in microphone or, you know, maybe use a little interface with my laptop and just record little bits or just me singing and playing guitar through most of a song. Mm -hmm. Now I have the ability to to demo parts that really could end up on the, the album, right? Um, if they're captured well enough and we kind of, we like the spirit of them. Yeah, it's gone from sketches 
and crude recordings to I might come up with just a partial idea and throw it out to the guys and just see, do you like the direction this is heading? Because if not, I maybe don't want to invest all the time. And because now I could realize a lot of it in my home studio, like I could get a guitar track that really works for the whole song or um, a keyboard part or something like that. But if we're not feeling it, you know, I, I might not pursue it all the way through. For me, it starts with, you know, the either a, a melody or a concept, a riff or a rhyme. Like one of the two. Usually it doesn't come together at the same time. Usually it starts with mm -hmm. one thing and then I move to the other. And then, yeah, I have hours of voice memos that I, I keep meaning to go through because there's gems in there. Sure. But putting it together... I don't know if I have the same discipline. Do you find yourself just to keep on pace with as many songs as are re required? Do you set aside time each week and say like, nope, this is my time to download all the creative energy and put a demo together? Or how do you find time to write the songs so frequently? Yeah, well, I think I think it's gotten harder um, over time just because I've, you know, I've written so many songs. We've We've been together as a band for quite a long time. I mean, really, it'll be about 14 years come next month, mm. uh, September. You know, I think just that that pace of an album a year and writing when you're um, dealing with a lot of other adulting things, like being a parent whose kids are growing up quick and mm -hmm. uh, having a full-time job, you know, yeah, it just, we've, our pace has kind of slowed down as Recess Monkey for sure. And I think that's helped with me to kind of just have more time to feel creative um, because I feel stretched in a lot of other ways as a, <laughs> as a parent of quickly growing kids. As a band, we, our expectation was we're going to do an album every year and things weren't as, as busy um, in all of our lives. That's different now. And yeah, I do, I do have to make time for it and kind of set, set some goals and you know, that's a little bit of me saying, like, if I am going to put the time in for, for the songwriting, I like I like to do, um, you know, like a bridge or sorry, a, a verse and a chorus or something like that. And just say, hey, this is the concept. This is the feel. What do you think of this? Because um, time is so precious that if I'm going to keep exploring it and really knuckle down, I want to make sure that the team's on board and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll still write things for myself too, but yeah, maybe that's a way for sure that things have changed over time. Mm -hmm. Do they often reject the songs when they when you present them? Like, what's your percentage? Things that you write that then pass the test for you. You write a hundred songs, ten of them. You're like, yeah, these are keepers. And then from those keepers, how many move through to the band and then to the album? Yeah, well, I think it's been a process, um, and you know, in the past, I would say like 80 or 90% went through, right? I was a pr primary songwriter and I, I don't know that I was, I was being that selective myself. There may have been things that weren't quite finished, um, but still, as I said, I was sending a lot of pretty basic things and we were just looking for material to, to work on. So yeah, I think in, in the initial stages, a lot of things went through, mm -hmm. right? And, and that has that has certainly diminished over time. Um, you know, I maybe still 50 or 60% go through and, but you know, it's really valuable for me as a songwriter, right. To, for us all to be a little bit more critical, you know, and you're, if you put out a certain amount of albums, 
you're kind of competing against yourself a little bit too, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like some of my favorite bands that just continue to put out material, you know, like it, how will it ever compare to this album or this album? And, um, you know, I, I think we run into that a little bit with ourselves. There might be a great song, but somebody in the band will say, oh, that reminds me of this song that we've already written. Or, <laughs> and it's like, oh gosh, well, um, okay. So some of them, some of them just get knocked down because, you know, we've written something close to it before, concept wise or melodically, it might remind them of, oh, that's not, you know, like, oh, really? That doesn't sound like that to me, but. <laughs> wait, we've already written a song yeah. about backpacks. How can we, oh wait, no, we did. Yeah. Wait. Oh man. <laughs> a curious thing about your library as I went through, especially in the children's music genre, you don't seem to have uh, many, and it's not, a, it's not a criticism. It's just a simple observation, but I could be wrong. The core ABCs, one, two, threes, some of the things I call the teach and preach songs. Oh, let's yeah. be good. You know, yeah. and I totally see the value of those. And some people that's exactly as songwriters, that's where they gravitate. And you and your, uh, your work as best as I could tell you don't have a whole lot of those sort of songs. Yeah, no, I, like you, I, I, I see the value and purpose of, of those things too. And I think maybe a, maybe a, a younger audience a little bit um, might respond to that better than I think what we're uh, first and second grade or what we all were teaching when we met pretty much. And um, maybe where we're frozen in time intellectually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, for, for better sometimes. Uh, so, you know, that I, I think kids that age to kind of, some of them are, they're moving on to teen pop and beyond. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially nowadays. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of goes back to, we just, we wanted to write material that we were really excited about that was pretty similar, uh, to what we would, we would write for adults, mm-hmm. but kind of aimed at what kids in our classrooms were talking about, you know, and, and that was the basis for our early albums for sure. And how we've continued to write, you know, just think, thinking more about our own childhood and then also, um, you know, increasingly, you know, our, our lives as parents too. A lot of songs uh, are written from that perspective as my kids were getting, getting older and I was chronicling their, their lives and our lives together. Um, you know, those type of songs were never something that um, we were really drawn to or felt, yeah, it felt like our, were part of our core demographic. So I have to ask you about the song, The Gray. Yeah. Because the Tom Waits feel of it, was that like, I was curious to just go into it saying like, I want to do a Tom Waits song for this album, or was it just a spontaneous thing or how did that work? definitely in our in our collective or he was in our collective um brain at that time that's one that i think you know because of context and too you know because of where we were and our songwriting and you know the fact that we didn't we didn't know who was listening if anybody was listening again like it was it was done without a real idea of would the scare kids would anyone play this right to again it really was in the context of a lot it was a story you know it's kind of like a disney movie where you know there's going to be one at least one scary part right or yeah one villain stress right and it was done in a, a somewhat playful way but i it it still could be a song that like kids would listen to and 
not know what to make of it, right? Um, yeah, the the Tom Waits voice is just, it, you know, we just we're always playing with our our voices, and so it just seemed it seemed like a good thing to give this this character this thing mm-hmm. a gravelly voice. You ain't got nothing to stand in my way. Listening to the way that the the sound evolved over time from album to album, there were there this seemed like there were some significant jumps in production, and from when you would go from one and I don't know if it was studio to studio or gear to gear or how it worked, but occasionally as I, you know, from one album to the next, it would be like, oh wow, they really are expanding the the palette with the different albums. As a, but from the songwriting standpoint, does it always go back to you know, singer, guitar, the core to start? Yeah. Um, I'm not much of a piano player, you know, so any anything that is more based on piano is pretty pretty rudimentary if I'm, I'm working that out. So most of it is a melody or start with a groove or start not as often with an idea, a concept and kind of work with how am I going to write a song about this? topic or a lyric or something like that Um, usually it's it's from the instrument side and that instrument's usually guitar or over time you know you write a lot of songs in guitar and you know that's that's when i bought a ukulele and i was like and then i bought a mandolin and then i bought a banjo you know i'm not a virtuoso on any of these instruments i just i basically learn how to play chords what's cool about a new instrument is um i feel like it re-inspires you a little bit you might even find shapes and chords that excite you in a way that, um, or because you're playing them on a new a new instrument, it just it resonates in a different way. So that's something um, you know for me as a songwriter that's been really helpful over time. You know, as I'm not always going back to the guitar, right? Is I have lots of ways to approach things musically, and none of them again are <laughs> at a virtuosic level or even close, but just kind of breaking out of that routine is really helpful and you know technology is helpful for that too you know i can go into logic and just pick a a loop and that can be inspiring too just hearing a drum beat or percussion or or um, a piano part or something like that new instruments over time uh technology certainly and then yeah studio has been the studio is an instrument too like I think the Flaming Lips talk about that, that if you see see that as kind of a way to shape songs, um, then they can really create a life of their own. Um, I don't ever fully conceptualize the song that I work out, chorus and verse and bridge, to how it's going to end up in the end in the production. And I try and give myself a lot of studio space. Do you ever come across a thing where you're like oh wait now for this part i specifically hear something big or different and how do you how do you capture and communicate that as a songwriter to not just the band but then to you know the rest of the production crew mixer master and that yeah that's thing. it's um it's a balance for sure it's been beneficial to go in and have things not be so fully developed so that everybody felt like they had a lot of room to to be creative and kind of put their stamp on it too and at the end of the day we're writing basic pop songs so (laughs) 
there are enough touchstones in there that we're all on board with that we're not going out of boundaries or, you know, um, and so it, there might be like a chord change that we want to, oh, I hear something different here or so it's never anything too drastic. Um, mm. And yeah, certainly, um, you know, I, I hear a lot in my head that can be hard to communicate at the same time. You know, I, I just trust in them too, for the most part, to come up with stuff that I would never come up with myself. And for the most part, it it works out, right? There are times where, you know, in the demo, you come up with something and then you try to recreate it. Mm -hmm. um, or I think somebody at some point came up with the phrase chasing the demo, where, yeah, you, and it can be frustrating um, as a songwriter to feel like here we are in the studio we just totally made something that that doesn't capture that feeling right of when i was in my basement or you know wherever you captured that that idea initially like something got lost in translation it's just a hard like it's a hard thing to nail and i think every everybody who's in music is trying to walk that line how do i take whatever was there initially and like hold on to that while allowing for space for it to grow. It's something I don't know that I'll ever figure out or will figure out as a band. Um, uh, of recent history, we're we're trying to embrace it a little more and be okay with if we do create some stuff on our own at home and it's like we're not all there in the room together like, and we're just kind of building on top of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even if what we're adding is nothing <laughs> mm -hmm. or very, you know, minimal input or instrumentation that being okay with that too, like mm. that that's kind of an evolution of our, our band and our, and how we work too. You know, we have the ability to record a lot at home now too. And so we, we will go into the studio and do things together and work through things that are less defined, but for other things that somebody has a strong idea on and it's working like be in agreement that don't get in the way of that you know like mm -hmm. um, and that's something we've had to learn and talk about and and i've as, a, as somebody who's been the primary songwriter too have had to be okay with um and, and kind of grow with you know i realized that there were times when it was mostly me singing and playing guitar and an instrument and there wasn't a lot of else a lot of other things happening right like and everybody else was just waiting around to, to record the next song and so now we're all writing and like there are times where i'm not doing that much and uh -huh. you know that's that's something that i i've had to be okay with too um and it you know it's a new role for me to think about you know helping somebody else with their song when am I um, offering things that are really valuable? When are like, am I just trying to say something to say something? <laughs> like, so um, I think everybody in a band or a, any kind of group you're in at work, you know, you, those are things that you have to navigate for sure. So it's a long winded answer for <laughs> the idea that I don't know that, you know, it's just a process that you'll never perfect, but I think it's kind of cool that we've gotten to the place where we're trying to honor like that initial spark and nurture it mm -hmm. without crushing it. Technology really enables you. Uh, we were using it on our last couple of albums, uh, novelties and family photo album to take stuff that we had all done individually and build upon it in a way that uh, a lot of our earlier albums were maybe um, 
you know, a lot of people in a room playing together, which is important. Mm-hmm. But, um, but to sometimes we were cutting the spirit off of something that was already working in a really great way. So we're trying to balance that line. <laughs> There's a lot there that I think an experienced songwriter can relate to. And some of that is harder if you're just getting into the gig to understand mm. like what, how collaboration works, the importance of actually, even though I know it can be very difficult for people in the creative process and in bands to step forward and say, we need to talk about this. We need to talk mm-hmm. about process. We need to actually kind of talk about how we go about doing what we're doing and feeling like you can trust your co uh, conspirators to say this is important to me that this gets included mm-hmm. and also being able to listen and say no you know what I, I would feel much better if you would just go and do your magic and whatever it is uh, you know what we'll, we'll just keep going forward because at the end of the day it's one song on one album and it's not the hill to die on right you know and that's a hard I think it's a really challenging balance you have you've been doing this long enough with some uh, people that you obviously trust musically and also socially, that you're in a better position, a better place and perspective to do that. Being a Grammy-nominated performer, as you are, yeah. with 13 albums, I mean, you're pretty much there in the children's music industry as far as uh, having achieved pretty much, I mean, that's it's really wonderful, the career that you've cut and the, the entertainment that you've provided. Off of the last album, uh, family photo album, the song Together, I found really interesting on several levels. From a production standpoint, I'm totally curious, how much of that did you know you wanted to have on the album? Because there's characters and there's dialogue and there's a story and it's, it's really funny. It's a really engaging song. There's a lot of different parts. And knowing uh, Jack Foreman's music independently and kind of what he gravitates to after like listening to him on radio and stuff and also listening to your catalog with rhesus monkey and kind of where you go it seems like there's a section in the center that's like wow that's a that's a different influence than i would say that was typical of drew but the whole thing works really well together and so i was just kind of curious how did that come about from the from the parts and pieces is it what you intended when you first started writing that song together yeah no i think you're uh right on the money kind of in dissecting it um and it was one that was it was somewhat skeletal uh with like a the chorus and then a couple of verses mm-hmm. um and everybody liked the idea musically and liked where it was coming from because it's a message that i think was really a, a driving force to for why we were making the record and why, you know, after playing so long and making so many records, why we were still doing it too. We realized that we've got each other and like what, what we do when we play a concert, um, you know, it's, it's important. And it's an important thing that um, we as musicians get to be there for kids and families and just provide some happiness, some joy, some time together and, you know, the sentiment of it was, it was a real driving force for the record. Musically, we, you know, it had some cool chord changes and, you know, it's got a really kind of fun melody, but definitely it was, how are kids gonna engage with this? And, you know, it might be an example of where 
early in Recess Monkey, maybe we recorded that song and it was just one that we filed under like, we did it for us, or that was just a song we liked, you know, and that album is full of song, full of songs, right? Mm-hmm. Here are the ones that are going to be hits and here are the ones that are, you know, somebody's going to like for some reason. It's going to be somebody's favorite song. You know, okay, we'll, we'll allow for a couple of those an album, you mm-hmm. know, like, and now, like, if a song like that comes up, we really do look at it like, okay, you know, it's hitting on X, Y, and Z, but really, like, it, it doesn't quite have this yet. And, of course, yeah, Jack is hilarious and, you know, he can think of ways to, to come up with comedic bits that... Um, that really takes something to another level, right? Or at least look at, you know, come back at you with that lens of like, yeah, but have you thought about this? Or I'm, I look really like this, but what about if you, and that, that song was an example where um, that was definitely not the intention, but I was totally open to the idea of, you know, starting to what, I think the idea kind of started and it, it was not front loaded this way, but like, okay, what if, you know, different people sang parts of this song, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. Uh, and it was very, you know, we didn't think too long about it. We kind of thought about where it might be good to break up certain lines, but then it was all kind of done uh, in an improv style and we kind of pieced it together. And it was in the spirit of, uh, you know, what I, I talked about earlier about like stuff that would make us laugh. And hopefully your funny voices made maybe resonate a little bit more with kids, right? But it, it might not be for everybody, but we thought it was hilarious. And, you know, we kind of stumbled upon, you know, having a dog in it. And Jack had the idea that, well, wait, what if one of the, the characters <laughs> actually was the dog and you don't and you don't know that, like, he has this great ability to to think about laying a joke out and expanding on it, right? So that, you know, it develops. Mm-hmm. Like, so you hear, you know, if you're listening, and most people would, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> but again, we're just trying to make ourselves laugh. But you hear in the beginning of the song, it's like you hear the dog bark and you hear me say, or just put that in the corner. And uh-huh. you think maybe it's the dog. Uh-huh. Um, and you hear him saying, oh, Barbara, so glad to see you. Like, and turns out, you know, Barbara's the, Barbara's the dog. Barbara's the dog. Right, and has I know. the sitting part, right? So, <laughs> well, and you uh, didn't and just, later you, on, you didn't just go with a gag there. Then the dog starts to sing. I mean, the dog right. jumps in and becomes an active character. And it was at that part where I was like, oh, they're cracking me up. I'm driving down. I'm like, man, how fun would it be to be in this band? where there was that relationship or that was that camaraderie. And it's like, oh, and that freedom from a songwriting standpoint, like, well, let's just do it. And let's just keep going like children's music or whatever genre, just to have that liberty to do that, where we're trust and you're and you're in it. Does that? Yeah. 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 I think that's that um, that's really been the glue that that's kept us together. And, you know, it's like we all just need to be creative and make each other laugh and do things that we haven't done before. And sometimes that makes it really hard, especially when you've, you've been going a long time, you know, you wonder, can I, can I keep 
writing songs, can I keep surprising myself? Can I keep surprising my friends uh, first and foremost, right? Um, you know, as in you know, as you mentioned too, with so many other artists out there and all doing great things too. Like you know, there's already a song that's been written about that. Somebody's already done this and that, and the fact that we can still still do that and see see a purpose for it enriches each other and ourselves. But um, also, you know, when it's hitting on all cylinders, it's making a lot of people happy too. And when everybody wins like that, it's um, you know, you feel really lucky to to do what you do. Let me just jump into the middle of my own podcast for a moment and say, now we're going to play the song Together by Recess Monkey off of their 2018 release, Family Photo Album. So here's the song we were just talking about. And if you want to go back in the podcast and listen to what we were saying, then it would probably make more sense. But I decided to play it afterwards. Anyway, okay, here's the song. When I could push this board about a foot before I break my back But if you help me we could push this board right out to sea Then you and me would be sailing free Together, together, together No wave too big I guarantee Together, together always Oh, hey Marcel! Now there's no fix we can't break out of No pickle that we can't deal with Yeah, no sticky situation We can't stick together through Oh, that's right, Janice! Cause you and me are like super So Drew, 
like the uh, at the at the very minimum, do me the favor of keep keep on keeping on uh, with writing the songs because the stuff that you are able to provide, in my mind as a songwriter in this in this genre or in any genre, really start to push the the balloon. I'm sorry, we didn't get much time to talk about hot air because that's definitely one of my favorites also. But um, you def you your approach to it is it seems really at the next level as far as allowing yourself to sing and write about what whatever you feel you want to at this point. And you've figured out a way with your band to move it from there all the way through to the finished released uh, piece, which I find, you know, some people are really good at writing songs and some people are really good at producing songs. And being able to to bridge that gap, I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So thank you for the work that you uh, that you do and the, and the fun that you provide. Oh, thanks for the kind words and thanks for having me on and creating this podcast too. It'd be a great resource and one that's, I think, sorely missing from all the podcasts that are out there to enjoy. So, and just to say to anybody that is listening, you know, um, whether you've been writing for a long time or just getting started that, you know, uh, the phrase, you do you, <laughs> is one that I think is really important that that I learn a lot from listening to other songwriters talk about their process for sure. But, um, you know, you, you have to kind of follow what works for you. And we've made things too complicated uh, at times, you know, when they, they could have been a lot simpler. So, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're writing, follow your own, your own path and don't stop learning. Cause um, you know, that's the boat that we're in even after all these albums is, there's always always something new to, to learn and, and a way to push yourself. There you go. What a fun conversation with Drew Holloway, the uh, songwriter, singer, performer for the band Rhesus Monkey, 13 albums in 13 years, still producing, still doing stuff. I played with them at uh, Folklife to see their stage presence. It's just like totally cool. I got the full deal going on with them. Hopefully you learned something about songwriting. I learned things about songwriting and process. And it was encouraging to hear that some people, even at the top of their game, you know, still struggle with things that I struggle with, like struggling with the music, playing me off my own podcast. Okay. Come on. Tune in next time for it. Ah. Like playing games We all like to be hugged and loved Tucked in our beds at night